Thank you so much, Pam. And Pam has read to you Proverbs 11.3, but if you do have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to go this morning to um, the book of Acts, chapter 14, verses 14 through 15. We're going to be um, over quite a few different scriptures this morning, but that'll be the starting point. That's part of our reading plan that we've been going through, um, and so we'll be that'll be our base text this morning. Um, hey, I just want to say to all of uh, the kids, to to Colin, to Phelan, to Michaela, to Daisy, to we got to see Avery and Piper back there. We see Livy here with us. I want to thank you, you girls so much for, for joining us and Colin, the man, joining us as well. Um, we're going to, we got two more weeks to put up with me and we will have a children's church, okay? Just two more weeks, we promise, okay? But uh, today, since, since, you, since you're going to stay with us, all right, we're going to be talking about a word that I hope you guys remember, and you have your pastor's permission to ask your parents after service, say, Dad, say, Mom, what is integrity? What is integrity? Now, maybe, maybe if I don't bore you too much, you'll be able to, to learn a few things about what integrity is today. So maybe you can answer that question from, from your mom and dad as well, okay? What is integrity. So we're going to ask you to take a shot at this today. So that's what we're going to talk about. So can all the kids say that word for me? Uh, the, what's the word again? Integrity. I hear Avery all the way from the back row. Great job. That was Avery, right? All right. Integrity. So we're continuing our retro series, uh, learning from those who have gone before us. And again, if you have not got those daily devotions, those will be important this week because we're going to uh, be praying through these things together, and I plan to send a one-call text as well um, to have a few other points of prayer focus um, throughout this week as we are, are pr- uh, fasting and praying together. But um, I have, in, as I've been doing this series, it's just worked out where two weeks ago I found my way back from Columbus, listened to 80 songs, and found my way last a couple weeks ago, found my way back, listened to 90 songs. This week we were moving rooms around in our house, and I'm getting... You know, just pick it, finding old pictures of things and, you know, seeing old pictures of grandparents and, and things like that. And I wonder, and I'm not going to ask you to say this one out loud. You know, I think when we think retro, probably everyone here uh, has someone that has gone on before you, you know, that you really miss. Someone that you think about maybe your last moments with them. And you think about, and I don't know if, if you think about this one or not, but you think about all that they invested in you, and you even realize that in their latter years, it was as if they were passing something on to you. And that was our message last week. Sacrifice, the, 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 the recognizing those who are going to be able to go on long bef- longer than you are and passing on your legacy to the next generation. And this is what the ancients were commended for in the book of Hebrews. This is the the mystery of the gospel, that we are all in this together, and we have a call to pass on to the next generation. And all these amazing people in Hebrews that says their promises, the promises that God made to them, God made to them, were not fulfilled in their lifetime, but they were fulfilled through, who does the text say? Us, all of us here. So I hope you're seeing this. And as we've been going retro, we've been talking about these ancient pasts. Everybody wants a new thing. Everybody wants the new normal or get back to whatever new looks like. But God's calling us to consider the ancient past. And every one of these things 
you've noticed it, have actually been character traits. Being a man or a woman of devotion to God. Being a man or a woman of loyalty. Being a man or a woman of sacrifice. And today, being a man or a woman of integrity. And so, even just as we put that slide up there, you know, I, I did a poor job, and I know you can't probably read all those, all those lines from back where you're at, but one of those in the corner is from T- Tony Dungy that says, integrity is the choice between what's convenient and what is right. And then the one in the top right corner says, integrity, choosing your thoughts, it says your thoughts, your thoughts and actions based on values rather than personal gain. And the text that Pam read read to us a few moments ago, that will really be our base text for for this message in Proverbs 11.3, it says, The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. Let's pray. Well, Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. I've uh, sensed your presence this morning is even just as I prepared because I believe that there's a work that you want to do in our church this morning. Uh, this, this word allows us to see ourselves as imperfect people in need of a savior, but it also calls us to remove the duplicity in our life. Holy Spirit, show us what it means to be men and women of integrity today. Show us what the ancient path looks like when the order of the day is personal gain. Show us an ancient path that will lead to life rather than than, than a wide path that leads to destruction. Lord, we need your presence this morning. As we seek you, may we find you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to just take a, a journey today, a little bit of a different style of sermon than I usually give, and just go, take a journey today through a few different stories as we talk about integrity this morning, and then we're going to conclude uh, with communion. Uh, the first of these, and you can put that uh, next slide up there, Nick, and you might have trouble reading these, so I'll, I'll give these to you. It comes right from the text that uh, Pam had shared, or excuse me, the text I asked you to go to, I'm sorry, Acts 14, 14 through 15. It's the story of Paul and Barnabas in the book of Acts. And, and they've begun to preach the gospel. And they've been, been doing miracles as they have been preaching the gospel. And as they have been doing these, these miracles, they have gotten a lot of people's attention. And they come upon a scene where people are wanting to sacrifice to them. They're all excited. They're calling Paul and Barnabas gods. And they're wanting to sacrifice to them. And so in the middle of this, Paul and Barnabas come upon the scene. They tear their clothes and they start saying, whoa, 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 whoa. This is not, we are just men and women just like you are. And is this what it says in Acts uh, chapter chapter 14, verses 14 through 15? It says, but when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd shouting, friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God. God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything 
in them. This is what we read in Acts 14, verses 14 through 15. But if you have your Bibles and that text that I told you to turn to, so here is actually how, what transpires next. Here at first they come upon the scene, they want to make them gods. And just a couple texts later, if you're looking at your Bible, anybody know what happens next? Now they want to kill them. And so now they start get for their own integrity, they start getting stoned. And it says that's, that's the kind of stone where people throw big rocks at you, okay? And, and there, it says that they thought Paul was as good as dead when they dragged him out of the city. That's where Paul and Barnabas' integrity got them. But verse 21, it says, here's what happens next after all of that. It says, they preached the gospel in a new city, which was Derby, and they won a large number of disciples. So the ministry continued for Paul and Barnabas, but their integrity in that case did not get them something good. There's another story in the book of Genesis, chapter 39, about a man I hope you've read about someday. You can put that next one up there, Nick, named Joseph. Joseph, if, you, if you're familiar with the story of, of Joseph's life, he had a lot of ups and downs, and he had dreams, and dreams that all of his brothers were going to bow down to him. Well, if you tell those dreams to your brothers, that really is probably not going to go really well. And so they sold his, basically sold his brother into slavery rather than killing him. And he eventually made his way working for one of the officials of Egypt called Potiphar. And while he was working for this man who he did a great job for and, and, and respected the duties that Potiphar had given him, um, Potiphar's wife, every day, the Bible said, every day, day after day, the Bible says, continued to tempt him, to come on to him. And and want to have a, a relationship, that kind of relationship with him. And this happens every day, every day, day after day, day after day, day after day. Potiphar's wife continues to tempt him, and Joseph continues to do the right thing. And where does Joseph's integrity get him? Potiphar's wife lied about what Joseph had did to her, and Joseph found his way to prison. Joseph's next season of life would be spent in prison for his integrity. How do you like this word so far? Is it really good to get Paul and Barnabas real far? Did it get Joseph real far? Let's let's try someone else. David, King David in 2 Samuel 11 through 12. This is the story of David and Bathsheba. It begins in 2 Samuel 11. It says, in the springtime when kings went off to war. Already at the beginning of this story, something is wrong. David is a king. In the time when kings went off to war, it says David remained in Jerusalem. David's integrity, he began to slip when he began to practice duplicity. The things that he knows he's supposed to be doing, but he's choosing something else instead. If you just let that for a second, that'll preach to you. The things you know you're supposed to be doing but you're do, choosing to do something else instead. But maybe you'll tell others that I'm doing this, but really you're doing something else instead. This is the duplicity that we're talking about. This is how the story begins for King David. And then while he is there, he sees a woman bathing on top of the roof. And, and, and David asks that woman to come to his house. And again, and so you know what happens next. And so now Bathsheba... Has, is, is pregnant with a child. And so the next thing that David has to do is he has to do something about 
her husband. So he tries to get her husband to come back to town. His name was Uriah, but Uriah has integrity. He doesn't even want to stay in the same house as his wife because all of the other men are out on the battlefield, so he should not have any privileges that they do not. So David basically has Uriah put on the front line and has him killed. And then it wasn't until the next chapter in 2 Samuel chapter 12 that the prophet Nathan, and I just realized, and I'll just say this, and I won't talk about this anymore. I said, kids, you ask your parents about integrity. I didn't think about all these other stories that I'm trying to skirt around a little bit this morning, okay? <laughs> you don't have to explain all of those. In time, hopefully you will, but you don't have to explain, Joseph, what I'm talking about, David and Bathsheba, what I'm talking about, but let's just talk about integrity, okay? Now, so Nathan... Uh, returns and, and begins to tell David, Nathan's the prophet in, in, his, in Judah at that time, in Israel at that, that time. And he begins to tell J, uh, David the story about a new lamb, this one little lamb that this poor man had and this rich man took the only thing that the poor man had and had a guest coming into town and sacrificed this lamb. And David said, this is ridiculous. This is horrible. It's one of the worst things that I have ever heard. This man needs to pay fourfold for what he did. And then here's the moment where I hope you will let the Lord speak to you. Nathan says to David, you are that man. Now, let this speak to you for a moment. Because we've always got stories to tell of somebody else, don't we? We've always got stories to tell of someone else's duplicity. The, the things that seem like they're blindside, the things that, that make a lot of sense to you, but you don't know why they would keep doing things the way that they were doing. And how could they have this duplicity in their life? This is what, this is what Nathan is saying to David. And then Nathan points the finger at David, just like the Lord does to us sometimes. Like, hey, wait a second. You don't think you have areas of your life like this too? Or there is some duplicity or the person that you say that you are, but really in secret, you're not. And so David is actually known throughout Scripture as one of the best examples for what he did when he's confronted with his own sin. The next thing that David says, he says that I have sinned against the Lord. And there were consequences for David's actions. But I love the passage in one of the Psalms when he's talks about when he's praying after the sin had happened, he said, he says to the Lord, may the bones you have crushed rejoiced. God did a new work in David through his own failure, through his own mistakes. And see, uh, this is the difference, church. This is what integrity is. I'll probably say this again, but integrity is not is not being perfect. It's not being someone who does not make mistakes, but it's being someone who takes ownership of your mistakes. See, as Proverbs put it, the opposite is duplicity, to attempt to live in two worlds and to, to wear a mask like many of us all are today, as you said to your neighbor before you were seated. But to pretend that this is not going on, integrity says, no, it is going on. I must deal with it. I must be honest. I must be a person that lives in truth, not in deception, and not with a lie. This is why David is known. This story, believe it or not, many people wrestle with this, but this is one of the stories 
that shows why David is known after, as, a, as a man after God's own heart. Because he was honest about his weaknesses. He realized the boundaries of what he couldn't do because if he did, he would live in duplicity. See, David could have ignored all this, but then he would have lost his own identity just like King Saul, the king before him, did. There's a couple interesting modern-day stories I could tell you a little bit about. One took place in May of 2005, a guy named Andy Roddick. I wonder if any of you remember this one. It was at the, he's a tennis, Andy Roddick's a tennis player. He was the number one ranked player. He went on to get to Wimbledon finals, I think, the next tournament or two tournaments after this one. He was the number one ranked player in the Italian, in the, the Italian Masters tournament. And this is the round of 16. So he's still got two or three more games to get to the game that he was supposed to. And all of a sudden, the last play, uh, one, of the, one of the last plays of the match, um, his opponent, his name was Fernando, uh, excuse me, Fernando Verdasco. Uh, he, he hits the ball out. The referee calls it out. Everybody cheers. Fernando Verdasco goes to the net to shake, um, to shake Andy's hand. Andy doesn't go to the net. Instead, he walks over to, by to the official, and he says uh, the, the ball was in. And he goes over to show the official right where the ball landed. He said it was, it was in. It, it hit right here. The, the ball did. It wasn't out. The ball was in. And so the match, the official took his word. He says, no, I can't, I can't end this way. The, the ball was in. And so the official took his word, and the match continued. And so Andy won the match, and happily ever after, nope. This guy pulled off one of the greatest comebacks <laughs> in that tournament his, tournament's history. He was already winning three sets. He came back and won all of them after that. The momentum did not go Roddick's way. The momentum went Verdasco's way. And he won the tournament. And tennis commenters say that, that that instance of integrity probably cost him tens of thousands of dollars. You still like integrity? <laughs> you want to be a man or a woman of integrity this morning? The last story, I want to try a video. And, you know, we have different technical issues that uh, um, sometimes, and making this one really hard on Nick. So he's getting that video ready. This also happened in 2005. This is Survivor Palau. Any Survivor fans here? All right, Tracy. Hey, Avery, Survivor fan, Mitch, Survivor fan. Maybe you remember the story of Ian Rosenberger, okay? It's down to three people left in the game. These are the last two on this, on this buoy, okay? This other person, um, and there's one other person that's already been out of the game. Uh, you, know, you know a little bit how Survivor works. Whoever wins immunity has to pick one person to go to the finals with them and choose Who's, so that way those two people are going to get voted on to see who wins the $1 million, okay? Nick's going to try and play this video. I'm going to come back with him in case he's having any issues. But this is how this, the, the couple minutes of this video played out. Go ahead. Bring those lights down up front if you can. As you know, I've had an uh, interesting day. 
Um, I'll, uh, I'll go now and take Katie. And I'll give up the million, um, to, to get back your, your guys' friendship. Wait, you will step down? Yeah. I'll if step he down. doesn't take you, but instead takes Katie as a way to, to show that you do care about this Just guy. to show that I do, yeah. You would do that? Yep. I would do it. Just to be clear, Tom has been offering to take you and give you a shot. Right. That doesn't sound as good as taking back your integrity and giving up any chance. That's right. And giving somebody who's been out of this challenge now for 10 hours. Yeah, I, 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 I've thought about for the past 24 hours how to reconcile my differences. Like, my, my hole gets deeper and deeper. I, I, I can't leave this game with that on my shoulder. So I'll dive right now if you take hate. I said all along that friendship was more important. I feel like the longer we sit up here, the more and more I feel like a, a traitor to that and a traitor to myself. So, yeah, I'll do it. Tom, would it be successful? Would he be accomplishing what he's trying to do? Without a doubt. Ian would have my friendship after this game anyway, but he wins my respect back. Ian steps down. Tom wins final immunity. So again, I ask you, you want to be a man or a woman of integrity? So if you if you know a little bit, if those of you are not familiar with the game, so what he just said, what he what he just caught, I know some of it might have been kind of hard to hear. But he just said he'd kind of come to a point. He'd been out there for 11 hours. They're out there hanging on a buoy for 11 hours. And he'd come to a point uh, where he had realized that um, he'd, just like you do in the game of Survivor, like all of us have played it before, but, but in the game of Survivor, you, you have to you backstab, you have to cheat, you have to deceive to get certain people voted off, and that's just the way the game works. But, but when an honest person comes into this game, they kind of have some internal conflicts, and that's what you're seeing with, this, with, it, with Ian going on here. You know he had to backstab his closest friends to get to the point that he was at. And it says... It says this uh, in a quote about him when he was interviewed after. He said, Ian was an Eagle Scout. We can bring those lights back on. I don't want it to be in the dark. He said, Ian was an Eagle Scout. And as he clung to the, the buoy, he began to repeat the words of the Scout Law. This is funny. It says, a scout is trustworthy. A scout is loyal. And he realized he couldn't recite the Scout Law anymore. And he had to stop. He knew he had been neither while playing the game and he later said, I've been backstabbing people and I was planning on doing that to my best friend in the game and realized I would lose that friend if I continued playing the game in the same way. He said he would be reminded of this every time he pulled money out of the ATM account with a million dollars. It would bother him. This is the example of him saying, confessing, not using the biblical words, but saying the same thing that he would be living the rest of his life with duplicity. He would be pretending that he's an honest and trustworthy person, but there would always be this one thing. There would be this thing that he didn't reconcile. So I hope you see everything that integrity got him. Paul and Barnabas could have been gods, but for their integrity, they were stoned. Joseph could have remained in Potiphar's house, but for his integrity, he went to prison. 
David could have kept his secret with Bathsheba, but for his integrity, the whole nation knew of his sin, and there were fatal and violent consequences for his actions. Andy Roddick could have won the tennis match. Instead, his own integrity turned the momentum so his opponent could win, and he was eliminated early, and it cost him tens of thousands of dollars. Ian Rosenberger could have won $1 million, but instead he got third place and gained the respect of his peers, although the respect is still debated by many Survivor fans today. We still wonder what the right things are to do. Now, I hope you see in all of these stories, it's a lot like that Tony Dungy quote there, the choice between what's convenient and what's right. That each one in all of these stories that I shared saw that there were bigger things than personal gain. Their integrity actually set them back or created loss, but they got to keep their identity. And here's my, my quote of the whole message. I'm going to say this one twice. Hear this, church, this morning. In all the cases in Paul and David and Barnabas and Joseph, the stories that we keep telling today, and stories like Andy Roddick and Ian Rosenberger that I brought forth to you this morning, here's what this does. Integrity, they always say integrity is who you are when no one's looking, but I want to tell you this morning it's so much more than that. Integrity allows the reality of an omnipresent God who sees to move beyond your secret place into the real world so others can see him and be changed by him too. I hope you got that. I'm going to say that again. Your integrity allows the reality of an omnipresent God who sees to move beyond your secret place into the real world so others can see him and be changed by him too. See, others who recognize and who are seeking something real and something true and look all throughout this world and just can't find it because everybody is all about themselves. But when somebody stands up for something that's bigger than themselves, they bring the God that they serve right there with them and in the moment and say there's something bigger than this that you haven't experienced yet. And that's what I stand for. That's what I represent. The truth the power, my devotion, my loyalty to the living God. That is what you have the power to do with your integrity. The power that is there and present with you. With your integrity, you possess the power of truth, power and and, and humility that points others to the living God. But the alternative, alternative, is duplicity. The person that you appear to be and the person that you really are. And see, it is so easy. The enemy continues to make it easy to be fake these days. What is that that I always say in church, and I know Pam loves it when I say this. We have fake book now, okay? We have so many other fake Twitter, fake Fake, fake-to-gram, okay? All these other fake things that we can pretend today. I, um, I had an experience this week where early this week I talked to a, a pastor friend of mine, and I want to just talk about this idea of duplicity. Um, you know, he had, uh, 
he made a lot, he's made a lot of mistakes recently um, as a pastor. And while he was making a lot of these mistakes, he was continuing to make these mistakes while he was continuing his pastoral ministry. And these are obviously, uh, you know, the kind of things, of course, that a pastor shouldn't be doing, the kind of things that people in his church knew um, he would be terminated from his position. And this thing just went worse and worse and worse till he had to, to go to a rehab facility. And basically it, it threw all of his family uh, in turmoil, and it really still is to this day. And so I talked to him for, for a while, and, and I hadn't talked to him in a, few, in a couple years. And, and in our discussion, though, after he had been rehabilitated, I'm hearing of, I'm, I'm listening to a man of God. Now, I, I want to use the word again, because, but I hadn't spoken to him through all of these things. And I'm listening to a man of God, how his, how his faith is renewed, and he understands his purpose. He knows what he's supposed to be doing with his life. He knows what matters now. Church, what I'm trying to tell you, he was living before in duplicity, but now he has come back to integrity. Again, integrity is not not making mistakes, but it's taking ownership of them and being honest and being willing to be honest and forward about the truth. And this has changed his life. There will be consequences for his sin and for his mistakes. But he will have his identity. He will know who he is. And church, this is what's happening. It happens so quietly. It happens so quietly. And here in the church, we're so weird. We scratch our heads and wonder what's going on. Like, like the people that had been coming to church, and then they were real consistent, and now they're not that consistent anymore. And God seemed like a big deal to them, and now it's just not that big of a deal to them anymore. And we think, well, really, what's going on in their life? At the end of the day, there is some duplicity that is going on. We come, and we have this thing that we want to be, and maybe we'll put our mask on and pretend that we are, but there's so many other things in this world that can win out that are all centered around personal gain. And when that's what we pursue in our life, this other thing, serving the living God, just doesn't matter that much anymore. This is why integrity is incredibly important. So the Lord may love you enough to allow you to get yourself in trouble with your duplicious ways to realize that his ways are better. In just a minute, Nick, I'll have you play that song, but just hold on for, for a second. I'll, I'll tell you when to start that. I want to talk about where we'd like to go this next week. See, what's beautiful, as I prayed in the beginning, is that all of you have come here this Sunday morning. And as a Christ follower, this is the privilege that you have. You have a sacred place like this, to hear the word of God, and to be honest with yourself. I often talk about communion, which we're going to partake in a minute. Is It's like a mirror. It's like now we come back to the table. It's like now we're reminded of who we are. We find our identity again, and it's found in the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So now you have this place of reflection But all throughout this week, I'm going to ask, encourage some of you to be in prayer and fasting with us. To set aside, you know, I'm not going to get into all the details about what you should fast or anything. If you want to fast a meal, that's great. But maybe you want to fast something that is the biggest distraction to you. So that you can just take some ownership that there is, if I'm honest, there's some duplicity in my life. And I need to remove this. And... And, and, and it's okay that in this prayer and fasting time, I want you to have a, a, a focus that is personal. Well, I'm going to be sending you focuses that will, 
It will be geared towards our church. But I'm just imagining how great it will be if all of us come next Sunday praying and fasting throughout the week. We will come in creating an environment for the living God to speak. Not because he's not already speaking, but because the men and women that walk in that room are attentive and hungry and ready to listen. It's when we're ready to listen that he can do the deeper work. When when we say we would like this to happen, God to do this in my life, but no, it's not about what we want, it's about what we need. And God wants to take you to a place where you're ready to receive what you need, not maybe what you want, ready to, to give us as a church what we really need from him. And so there'll be a prayer focus on the, on the, with, with the cell phone devotionals, and I'll also be sending you some stuff um, as well. And so now, um, Nick's going to play a song in just a minute. I'll tell you when to start. But, but I, we're going to just take a moment of reflection before we partake of communion this morning. This is what bi- the Bible tells us to do. It says, examine yourself in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And so we're going to examine ourselves, And I, you're going to hear some words. Again, I, I brought Jason up in two weeks in a row, my favorite musician. He's, there's a song, and it's on the video. Don't pay attention to the video. You're just listening to the song this morning. But he's going to say a few words that they can be scary to you. They can be encouraging to you. Um, they, they can bring you just great joy or they can bring you like great fear. Or it, these can be the kind of words that bring you breakthrough right now. And here's what it is. It just simply, just simply sings the song, there's a God who sees. There's a God who sees right where you are. You can't run from the living God. He already knows. He knows everything. He, he knows all of your duplicity. And church, let's understand, that's everyone in this room. He wants to do a work in your life. The Spirit of God wants to bring some transformation in your life. So go ahead and play that song. We're just going to have a moment. Whatever it is, maybe you just need to receive the revelation that the Lord is with you right now in your challenging circumstance. Maybe it is a word for integrity that you need to hear that that, that God sees this thing that you think you're running from or that, you're, that you have duplicity with. He knows. So here in this safe place is a place of time where you can confess, where you can be in prayer before the Lord. Let's turn that up just a little bit, Nick. Just bow your heads, close your eyes. It's going to take a few moments of reflection before communion. There's a God who sees right where we are. There's a God who sees. There's a God who sees. There's a God who sees right where. His love is strong, it won't let go. He holds us with his sacred heart. And even when we're far from home, there's a God who sees. There's a God who sees 
Just keep your eyes closed this moment, this moment of reflection before communion. It says, as love is strong and it won't let go, he holds us with his sacred heart. Even in all that he knows, he's holding on to you. He's saying, this thing isn't over yet. I've got you. I know right where you're at. I know exactly what you're going through. I see, I know. And it says, even when we're far from home, and it feels like we've, we've wandered off too far, he knows right where we're at. Lord, thank you that you are a God who sees. Thank you that you are present with us today and all across this church. I believe there are people, Lord, in our congregation that need to just know that you are with them. They have felt like you're distant, but they know in this moment that you are the living God who is near. And others that need to hearing your voice as a loving father say, I don't, I don't know who you're fooling. This is only going to hurt you. I'm ready to work and deal with the duplicity in your life if you will let me and give it to me. So as you've examined yourself this morning, I'm going to ask you at this time to prepare your elements for communion. Common slang, that just means take the plastic off, okay? First Corinthians 11 says the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the life of Christ. Let's partake of the bread together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this, and whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's partake of the cup together. Nick, you can go ahead and cut that. As we, before we conclude, I hope you've let the Lord do a work in you this morning. So just, just before you go, just one more time, just close your eyes with me. I don't sing too much, but there's, you know, there's a song that I love to sing. And it reminds us of how the Lord is with us right now. He wants to work in our spirit. He is awesome in this place, in our hearts so I'm going to sing a verse. You sing, you've heard me sing it before. Sing this with me. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. You are awesome in this place, Abba Father. You are worthy of all praise. 
To you our lives we raise. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. Now you know the words, sing it one more time with me. Put your hand on your heart right now just as a confession. The Lord, you want to do some work in me. You examine me in the deepest places. As David said, let the bones you have crushed rejoice. The brokenness, Lord, you put it all back together. Now sing this together, Lord. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. You are awesome in this place, Abba Father. You are worthy of all praise, and to you our lives we raise. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. Ah, we love you, Lord. We love, Lord, that you do not leave us alone. For those that continue to speak, uh, to seek you, you continue to speak. And in moments like this morning, you remind us that I am not done with you yet, sir, ma'am. But he doesn't say those words. He's not that, he's not that formal. He goes straight to your first name. He goes straight to the name your, your mom used to call you, the, the name your dad used to say to you. He's the loving God. He knows you better than you know yourself. So let him work. Let him be awesome in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Your benediction this morning is real simple, right from Proverbs 11. May the integrity, may your integrity guide you. May we be men and women that live lives of integrity and not duplicity. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.